Well, I hope this summer, as you have been out and about in the sun, that you have lathered up really good with some SPF, some coverage, some skin protection. I remember, and I'm dating myself now, dating my age rather, my sister, when we were growing up, would always lay out in the back of the, the parsonage, in the yard where we lived there. And she, like everyone else, would not put on sunscreen, but instead would take either baby oil or cooking oil and put it all over her to help her tan a little bit quicker. Well, have you ever fried before with cooking oil at home? Yes. If you've ever fried chicken before, potatoes, or whatever it is, you know what oil does when it's heated up. And now, now there are a lot of people struggling with uh, issues of skin cancer because of that. There are great uh, numbers of people that are continuing to struggle with that. So as summer comes to an end, don't forget to put on sunscreen. Can you imagine when Moses came back down from the mountain that day? From Mount Sinai with those two stone tablets that were replacements, by the way, for ones that he threw down and broke. More of that next week we'll get to. But he brings those down, and the leaders, even Aaron that had been up on the mountain previously with Moses, was scared to death of him. Something had changed in his face that they just knew was absolutely different when he went up. Maybe it was a brightness about him, or maybe it looked like sunburn at first, but, but it was more than that. The Bible says that Moses' countenance had changed. The, the look upon his face, the, there was a glow to it, a, a, a hue, if you will, a, a shine of heaven and of God upon it that from that point forward made the Israelites forever look at Moses a little bit different because they knew that now he was reflecting the light of God among them. What a beautiful thing, this glory of the Lord that Moses experienced. Now was a part of him. It had transformed and changed him as a man and as a person. Do you remember back when we started the series? And we talked about Moses. His life, remember, is broken up into three 40-year chunks. That's how Exodus lays it out. The first 40 are him being raised in a household that is not his own as an orphan, in Pharaoh's household. And then one day he has an identity crisis, and he realizes, um, or acts out, should I say, because all is not well with his soul. He murders somebody, cold-blooded and buries the body, hoping not to be found. And he runs for the next 40 years out into the wilderness, and, and there he meets Jethro and his wife, and, and God speaks to him in a bush in that 40-year period and calls him back to Egypt. And Moses has come a long way, a long way, from a man who was driven by his, his passions not always good, and lived a life that was more focused on himself to one now that has transformed him into the, the radiance of God among all the people that are there. How is it that, that we can reflect the glory of the Lord as, as Moses did in that place and in that time? Certainly none of us are 
as he was. And yet, yeah, Jesus even said, let your light shine. He was talking about the light of the Lord, the glory of the Lord. A few practical things this morning we can do to, to reflect that more in our lives. And first is to make plain and simple time and space for God in our lives. I think we're more challenged than ever to set aside time and to go to a, a place that is outside of the busyness and responsibilities of life to simply be and bask in the presence of God. Did you hear the passage that I opened up with about, about the tent that Moses set up outside of the, the tent city of this nomadic people there in the Sinai Peninsula? He set up and set aside a tent for himself. It doesn't say that God commanded him to do that. At least it's not recorded. It doesn't say that the people compelled him to do that, though we know they were afraid of God when the thundering and smoke and fire of the mountain was nearby. But Moses, in his own accord and own account, decided he needed to set a time, set aside a place where he could go and spend some time away from the people and focus simply on the presence of God. That's important for us to do. It's the reason that we build churches and sanctuaries, a sacred place set aside to come and, and sit in the presence of God and, and be caught up in the, the wonder, the love, and the praise of who God is. But if you're like me, one hour on Sunday is... Um, usually not enough to keep me centered all the week through. This last Friday, I was very blessed. Um, so it turned out at the end of the day to go and meet a buddy to go for a hike. He lives a couple of hours away, and we've stayed in touch over 20 years. We're good friends, but we don't see each other as much as we would like. He's going through a tough time. And I had told him that we would meet somewhere and go for a hike because we both like to do that. So we drove down. It's just a little over an hour away to Morrow Mountain, which is Stanley County, I believe it's located in. If you want a good place to go and hike and go, go rent boats for canoes or kayaks uh, on Lake Tillery there, that's a, a great spot. Morrow Mountain State Park it is. But I had a short week this week. Uh, Monday... I was no good to anybody because I had just flown back all night long from California. I was dead to the world, and even Tuesday, I was on Central Standard Time instead of Eastern. By Wednesday, I finally was called up, but I was way behind. And I just thought to myself, there's no way, Mark, that you're going to be able to go drive down there, take half a day, and spend this time with Chuck, no matter how good of a friend he is. But I made myself do it. I knew that I would get everything else done, but there was that resistance within. You know what I'm talking about? We got there and met up and um, got out of the cars, getting ready, our stuff, our packs, and our boots on to go for that four-mile hike around the park. No cell service. Great, he said. What if something happens and we need emergency help? Well, it did turn out to be great, actually. Because I didn't need my phone going on a hike with me when I was trying to get away from everything. I needed to spend some time with Chuck. Fortunately, because I'm a pastor, hopefully I would even if I weren't. 
I have a Bible in my car. And so Chuck and I, who are, are both Christians, read a couple of psalms before we went on the hike, decided that we would spend the first half of it at least walking in silence, meditating upon the Word of God, those psalms that remind us of glory and beauty of God's creation. I can't tell you how much I needed that time in a busy week to just set aside and spend some time with God. It was a blessing for Chuck and me to be together, and we had good conversation later, but, but just simply to set aside time in a place outside of my busyness was a blessing to me, and I feel much more connected to God. Moses had a tent that he set aside just for that reason. And we're reminded that making space for and time for God changes our demeanor. It really can, even in the most difficult of circumstances. The second practical point is to talk with God regularly. And I'm talking about prayer, not just, not just in church collectively in the Lord's Prayer, but prayer in your daily life. Do you have time that you set aside at a certain time and place to go and talk with God? Did you notice, or have you noticed throughout my sermon series, how much Moses talked to God? So much that by the time we get to, to the place where we are today in the story, Moses, it says, talks to God like a friend. Isn't that amazing? To be able to approach and talk to God like a friend. To have support and encouragement. To have guidance for our daily lives. To be corrected when we need to be corrected and uplifted when we need to be uplifted. Happens when we talk to God on a regular basis. Well, I was telling you this, this last third of Moses' life, his last 80 uh, 40 years until he gets to 120, Moses takes on a whole different persona than he does in the first 80 years. My dad is getting ready to turn 80 years old. Next Sunday, we're going after church to Charlotte to go visit and to eat and to celebrate. 80 years is a big accomplishment, right? It is. Nod your heads. Yes, it is. How many are 80 or over in our, in our presence today? Yeah, good. Heavily weighted towards the back, but yes. Yes. God bless you guys. 80 years. You have had a lot of time and experience in life, and God, God has great things in store for you and can use you in ways that they can't use us in our, our first 80 years. Uh, my parents crack me up. I, I thank God they're still both alive. they are uh, been married 55 years, and and you're around them, and they have the back and forth that any couple do, but as as get older, I think more and more. Some of it has to do with hearing. Dad has to wear his hearing aids, and, you know, when he doesn't want to listen to Mom, he just doesn't wear his hearing aids. It's that simple. It works pretty well. So you get that in the house, Jim, Jim, and him talking in the other room, and she's saying, is he talking to me? I can't hear if he's talking to me. He's just mumbling and carrying on. It's funny, the back and forth with the couple that's been together that long. And I can picture in their tent, Miriam, um, or Moses's wife, rather, not his sister, carrying on back and forth 
Moses perhaps mumbling and him simply saying, Honey, I was just talking to God. I was just talking to God. It didn't have anything to do with you. Because Moses was like that. He just loved to talk to God. God extended the invitation to him through the burning bush. And Moses, as scared to death, literally as he was, of God's glow there before him and voice emanating, Moses took his sandals off and stood in reverence and fear. And some 40, 50, 60 years later, Moses is talking to God without fear like a friend. It takes conversation, doesn't it, to get to know someone well and to trust them and to to experience their love and their value of you. That's the case for God. And if we will set aside a time and place for God, and if we will speak regularly to God, then, then he will change the countenance about our face and our demeanor, and we will reflect more his glory to the world than our own. That, that's really what we are created to do. At least that's what the Psalms say, that we're not created for our own life to live and our own wealth to amass, our own legacy to leave. We are created, plain and simple, to give glory to God in all things. The scriptures talk about throughout the Bible the glory of God and people. I love the proverb twenty twenty seven that says, the spirit of the person is, is the lamp of the Lord, and it, it shines upon the inwardmost parts of their hearts. Jesus said, or John's gospel did about him rather, he was the true light which gives light to everyone. And it was talking about God's glory that he shone into the world. The glory of God's love and the glory of God's grace and power. Matthew, as I, I referenced early on, talks about a city on top of a hill that cannot be hidden and how God's people do not light a lamp and put it under a basket, but instead allow that light to shine so that all can see. The glory of the Lord is among us and around us. Are our hearts open to it? And are we willing to allow it to grow in us and flow out of us, reflected to others? That's the last thing that I want to remind you of today, and that is that we are called... <clears throat> to shine for God in all that we do, in all of the world to see. No matter who you come in contact with this week, you are to reflect God's glory to them. Whether you've had a difficult day or not, or a challenge or not, if you will allow God to, to glow in you, then you will glow for God in the lives of others. Can we and are we willing to open our heart and mind to reflect God's glory in, in each and every way, in all that we do and all that we say? It certainly doesn't come naturally, does it? But we have a spirit, God's spirit, a spirit of, of fire that within us helps to transform us into the likeness of Christ.
Christ. I, I remind you today that we're Pentecostal people. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm going to jump up and start <laughs> preaching and rolling around today? No. We are people that believe in Pentecost, just like it says in the book of Acts, where the disciples were gathered together, Jesus' followers after he had gone, and the Holy Spirit came and moved among them, and there was a sense of lightness and brightness among them. They went out and they changed the world, literally transformed into the likeness of Christ. The glory of the Lord shone out of them. And they went and proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ to all people throughout the world. That's our call. That is what we are supposed to do. And that is what God desires for us to do, to give glory to him. Put yourself out there this week, folks. All right? Step out and talk to somebody you normally wouldn't talk to. Go and uh, help somebody that you know is in a time of need. Make a phone call or check in on somebody. Share with somebody why it is that you're so thankful because God has blessed you and you have been changed and transformed by his presence in your life. And if you will do that, the world will be a much better place <clears throat> and God's kingdom will reign on earth in a way that it, it is not, not yet, not yet. Let's pray together. Father, we, we ask that by your Holy Spirit, by your Son, Jesus Christ, that you would give to us the fullness of who you are. Lord, we're reminded today to set aside time and space for you in the week to come. And help us to have holy conversation with you throughout the day. In times of privacy, yes, but also in all that we say and do, may it reflect May it reflect the beauty of you, your power and your majesty, all the glory of your creation, and the love of your son, Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.